Amen. Let's stand this morning and worship the Lord. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Let's sing an old uh, Christmas hymn, as they call it at the church. Oh, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on.
morning for scripture and prayer today. Oh, we thank you, Lord, for your presence in this house today. Love the Lord this morning. Say amen. Say amen. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. For thou, O God, hast heard my vow. Thou hast given me the heritage of that fear my name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before the God forever and prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto the name forever that I may daily perform my vows. The Lord touched me the other night. I was sick. I sat down and just said, Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Lord. And he touched me. We've got to believe in what we say that we believe. We've got to hold him up for what he says he will do and then believe that he will do it. Because if we don't believe it, who else will? The psalmist, Psalm 61, is saying, Lord, I have heard you. You have heard me and you have protected me and lifted me up. So if you believe it, let's go to the Lord in prayer together and praying for what we need praying for what those that are sick will be lifted up and touched for the families that need comfort will be comforted because he has promised and his promises are real let's go to the lord in prayer kind heavenly father we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you lord for your word that you have given in our hearts lord knowing that it is real knowing that you have touched us and lifted us up lord knowing that you have healed that you have comforted that you have been there in situations where nobody else could be. Lord, that you have protected and guided, that you have put your angels round about us when the need was there. We thank you and praise you, Lord, for all of this. Lord, this morning as we come before you, pray that you will continue to make songs, Lord, that will be sweet savor to you here. And Lord, that the pastor will say the words that you would have him to say that will touch our hearts so we can take this further and touch others. Lord, continue to abide in you and trust in you. We say all of this in Jesus' holy, precious name. And we all said, Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing this morning and keep going to worship.
name of Jesus. Six. 
it all over the house. I want to sing this one more time together in our midst, very worshipfully. Oh, come, let us adore. Will you declare that to the Lord today? Father, Lord, we thank you today for your love, mercy, and grace. We praise your name, Lord. We know that we have felt your presence in this place. Father, Lord, we know that that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about the day you came as a newborn babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. But ultimately, when it was all said and done, shepherds marveled, wise men were amazed. Kingdoms were overthrown. Lives were forever changed by just simply looking at a baby in a manger. God, we celebrate over thousands of years later that you came. Lord, not only do we celebrate the fact that at one point you came, we anticipate the arrival of you coming again. But not this. when you come this time, you won't be wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. You won't be coming as a newborn baby needing to be nursed and coddled and held and changed. But you're coming with all power and might in your hand. On one thigh will be written King of Kings, on another the Lord of Lords. The blood of the martyrs of the saints, your cloak will be dripped in and with a sword bearing to declaring time no more you will ride in pompously on a white horse not as a defeated foe not as an innocent child but as a conquering and an almighty king and when you come this time you're not going to have to be held or changed or nursed but when you come you will come to declare time no more and to take us out of this sin-sickened world in which we live and teleport us from this mortal body via via a, a transformation of body into a teleportation of heaven and we will stand on streets of gold we'll pass jasper walls we'll enter in gates of pearl we'll live in mansions bright and fair there'll be no need no light for that city because the lamb of god will be the light up there when you come this time, Lord, you're coming with authority and it's going to be something the world has never seen before. But they cannot denounce, they cannot stop you, they cannot keep you because when you come this time, they can't kill you, they can't arrest you, they can't stop you, they can't try to hinder you because this time you will come victoriously to declare that you are 
the great I am, and you are still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's the kind of God we serve. So why we celebrate God this season of time of the baby born in Bethlehem, we anticipate the arrival of a triumphant king to take us home. <laughs> Lord, we have felt your presence in this place this morning. I believe, Lord, you've already allowed hearts and lives to be touched by the power of your spirit today. But I believe there's still more to be done today. And we pray all of these things in that name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are God to the glory of God the Father. We declare and pray it not in, a, in Muhammad's name, not in Allah's name, not in Buddha's name or Confucius' name. But we pray it in the name of Jehovah. Jehovah Jireh the provider. Jehovah that will be always be a healer. Jehovah that will always be a sustainer of life. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. For there's never been a name under heaven and earth by which men must be saved. But at that name called Jesus. It's the same name that demons flee. It's the same name that hell has to shudder. It's the same name where everything has to come under subjection. Because nothing can compare to the name. That we ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray and ask these things. And together the people of God say amen. Amen. You, if you can, you can be seated briefly for a moment in the presence of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Luke chapter 1. I'm going to be all over the page a little bit with the word today. Parents, please don't forget to sign your kids out today at Children's Church. They're in the back, but please take them home with you. Don't forget those watching online or in-house. You can always download the Our Church app in your Google or Apple store and then search Santee Circle Church of God. If you want information about the church, just go to SanteeCircleCOG.org. It'll tell you everything you need to know. Every one of our services are digitally uh, uh, downloadable. And are on Google and Apple Podcasting, so you can always listen. As always, there's multiple platforms to give in person, the via the wooden boxes up front or out the back door. Envelopes, you can mail those. You can do it on the tithe.ly app. Just simply go to tithe.ly, and it'll instruct you. Or you can go to our website, santeecirclecog.org, backslash give. It'll tell you all of it. Or if you go to the website, there's a big button that says give. You click it, it'll give you all the information regarding that. We are still in our series, The Characters of Christmas, that we have been talking. Last week we talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth, the role they played in the Christmas story. And so today we're going to look at it a little bit different with a new uh, character or characters, if you will, of Christmas. So I'm going to have you to stand while you're still turning to the book of Luke chapter 1. I want to read a couple Old Testament passages to set up this message. Isaiah 7:14 said this, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. This is how you'll know God's going to do it. Behold, a virgin will conceive and shall bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel translates to God is with us. I wonder how many people this morning are still glad that we serve an Emmanuel God. A God that even in 2021, a God that is still with us. He's as close as the mention of we still serve Emmanuel. He's still an ever-present, on-time God. Yes, He is. He may not always come when you want Him, but He's there always on time. We serve a God that is with us. Well, Micah says it like this. Micah 5 and 2. Behold thou Bethlehem, Ephrathah. 
Thou shalt be little among thousands of Judah, yet you will come forth unto me as the ruler of Israel, whose goings forth from old and from everlasting. What he's saying is you may not be much, Bethlehem. People might think you're just a little small town on the hillside of Judea, but you're going to bring a major player in this story. You're going to be known for the rest of history because there's going to be a king born under your watch and you will house the birth of my son, Jesus Christ. Now, Luke chapter 1, here's what the word of the Lord said. In verse 26, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee called Nazareth. Remember what I read to you in Isaiah 7, 14, though. This is how you'll know. Behold, there was a virgin that was engaged or espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And that virgin's name was Mary. Don't forget Isaiah 7, 14, now what we just read. The angel of the Lord came to her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. She was afraid. And cast in her midst what manner of salutation or greeting this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou wilt conceive in thy womb. Remember Isaiah 7, 14. And you'll bring forth a son. You'll call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be the son of the Most High. The Lord God shall give you, give unto him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I have never known a man? And the angel of the Lord said, The Holy Ghost will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore this holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, this is the sixth month, which is her, which was called barren. So she's six months pregnant at this point. Elizabeth is. For God, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Can I say to you, I still know we have COVID, but you know with God nothing is impossible. Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, it be unto me according unto your word. And the angel departed her. Let me quickly read to you this next chapter. Now the birth of Christ was wise. Matthew 1 and 18. When his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph and they came together, she was found with child from the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away quietly. But while he thought on these things, behold, that same angel of the Lord came to him. See, when God does something, he does it right the whole way through. He don't stop halfway. He completes the task. He appeared unto Joseph and said, Joseph, son of David, fear not to take Mary as thy wife. For that which she carries in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Confirms it. For he shall save the people from their sin. From all that was done that might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying. Isaiah 7:14, Joseph. For behold, a virgin shall be with child. She shall bring forth a son. She shall call his name. We already read in Isaiah 14. Y'all should already have a head start on me. Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, when God does something, he does it right all the way through. Then Joseph, being raised from a deep sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, took unto his, to himself his wife, and he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Father, may you add the blessing of the reading of your word today. Let us not only be hearers only, but doers thereof of this word. 
Let it be transformational. Let it be let it challenge us, chastise us, change us, convict us, and help us to be walk in newness of life. We will forever give you the praise, glory, and honor that is due your name in Christ Jesus our Lord. We pray, and the people of God together said, "Amen." You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. For the next few moments, I want to talk about this subject title. This was not the plan. This was not the plan. See, we to understand the complexities of this story, I want to just, if you would humor me for about five to six minutes or so, paint you a background picture of what this would look like before we get to the crux of this message. You have to understand that before this angel shows up, there was already some things working out behind the scenes. I already read to you what Isaiah 7.14 said. A lot of people knew in that day and time what the prophets were. They knew what Isaiah and Jeremiah, they knew the prophets. But nobody knew when or where this plan was to take place. And certainly nobody knew who was going to be the baby's mom. Nobody, they had heard this story. They were waiting. They were already under the rule of Roman captivity. They were already, uh, uh, the Romans were in control. And when the Roman governors and Caesars, uh, became over the region, they left under each jurisdiction kings like of the people. So during this time, we have Herod uh, Antipas, that is, is currently the king, watching over the region of Judea. In that same time, though, there is a governor, uh, uh, Tiberius, that is over the region, that his job is to make sure that the whole county doesn't have a problem. It's kind of like you have a local mayor, but then you have a governor. So King Herod serving is like the mayor of town, and Tiberius Caesar, the ruler of the day, is the governor and the head guy. He calls the shots when it's all said and done. We know this because here shortly we will see that there is a census that is taken and Joseph is required to go back to his home birth, his birthplace, if you will, the town of David, to register, basically, and to get a census of the people during this time. So the Jewish people are under Roman oppression. And during this time period, they had been anxiously awaiting for a Messiah to come. But their view of the Messiah was a little bit different than God's view. They thought the Messiah was going to come and establish an earthly kingdom. Once he established an earthly kingdom, he would overthrow the Roman uh, captivity and would overthrow the Romans and the Jewish people would now be in charge and the Romans would serve them. But that's not how God was designing this because God doesn't operate on the same wavelength and the same scale as man. Because man can make a plan, but the plans of man don't always match the plan and the will of God. God had a different plan. God was not interested in establishing an overthrowing earthly kingdom. God was interested in establishing a kingdom that the Bible said whose ruler would have no end. It wouldn't be a temporary kingdom. It wouldn't be a kingdom just for a couple years of peace or a couple years of prosperity. But God was wanting to establish a kingdom that forever and ever there would be peace and prosperity. A kingdom that we're not of this world, but we're headed to a different place. We're just pilgrims sojourning in this land. But our final resting place is in the kingdom of heaven across. Jordan swelling tide that's the plan but I could imagine Mary one day sitting around her dinner table recounting to her children the story what it was like before all these kids came along you know Jesus had some brothers and sisters the Bible tells us I could imagine her sitting there at the breakfast table one morning and they're saying mom how did this all happen Jesus is so much different than us. 
Because here's what really happened. Here's the real story. Joseph and Mary were sweethearts. They fell in love. Now, some scholars think Joseph might have been a little bit significantly older than Mary. We, we don't know exactly how old he'd have been. But most theologians put Mary somewhere around the late teens, early adulthood. She wasn't an old woman. She was very young. She had met the love of her life. She thought he was the most handsome man she'd ever laid eyes on. He thought she was the most beautiful girl he'd ever seen. They had courted. They had dated. They had rode down into Bethlehem and had a Bethlehem cheeseburger from time to time at Bethlehem's Burgers. They had went, they rode, they didn't have, they didn't have a Ford Mustang, but they did have a camel. They rode around town on their camels. They might have had a Bronco, but it wasn't the kind y'all used to drive. They rode around that. They looked, they stargazed, they did it all. They fell in love. Their engagement process is a little bit different because in that day when you became betrothed or engagement, it was a, a long celebrated event. Even the weddings lasted a week. You, you, you talk about going on a honeymoon, you didn't just have a one-day wedding. You had a whole week wedding. You had to be with the in-laws, the ex-laws, and the cousins for a week. You knew at the end of that week either you really loved her or you made a mistake by the end of the week. You had a whole week to figure it out. They're planning a honeymoon. They're planning a wedding. Mary's already looking at her dresses or whatever you want to call it if it was in today's society. Joseph is already in his point. He's already looking at his tuxedos and choices if it was in today's culture. They got a plan. They're getting married one day, y'all. They got a plan. Mary one day is the house that they may be going to move in one day or whatever. Mary one day decides she's going to tidy up the house a little bit. She's got her broom and She's just humming away and she's just cleaning house. Out of nowhere, an angel shows up. Says, hey, Mary, you're favored among God and man. She's like, whoa, 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 who, whoa. I mean, I realize you're an angel and all, but whoa, what are you doing here? He says, Mary, you're going to be pregnant. She said, time out. Time, no, no, no. No, this is not how this plan's supposed to go. This is not the plan. My mama said, I got to marry that man before I have a baby with that man. Come on, y'all. Y'all know I'm preaching better than we're shouting this morning. Some people don't, let me just go ahead and say this. Some people don't teach that anymore, but there is something to be said about purity before marriage. See, the problem is we keep telling people, we have people in church that are saying, oh, well, pastor, you know, I have to, it's like a trial basis. I, I need to live with them first to see if I like them enough before we get married. No, if you, you, no, 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 there is no trial basis. This ain't like a car warranty where you get a five-year probation window, and if you don't like it, you trade it in for a different model. Well, uh, no, 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 you, you, you need to figure that out before you start living together, sleeping together, shacking up together, or whatever else you're doing together. I heard one person tell me one time, they said, pastor, you know, kids nowadays, after you go on a couple of dates, you start having sex. I think, well, I said, well, well, then obviously you went to the wrong church because if your pastor approves that, then you went to the wrong church because he should have told y'all, y'all need to know that you have to get married before you do that kind of stuff. Mary said, well, well that's impossible. And how do I know? How do you say, well, pastor, how do you know she said Because she told the angel, I ain't never been with a man like that before. My mama will kill me if that happens. Some of y'all, was that mama? Girl, you be homeless if you come home like that. You're going to be in my house shacking up barefoot and pregnant. Make me keep paying your bills, girl. You better get a job. Y'all know what I'm talking about. She said, that can't happen. The angel said, oh, Mary, it ain't going to be by man. It's by the Holy Spirit. Mary's like, whoa, whoa, time out. That's biologically impossible. The angel said, yeah, but what's Im not, what is impossible with man is possible with God. 
So Mary says, okay, she be it unto me according to your word. You know the rest of the story. Elizabeth, we talked about last week. For time's sake, I'm not going to recount that. But Elizabeth has been old, and she got pregnant as a grandma age. And she's getting ready to start nursing and changing baby diapers as a senior citizen. Some of y'all are like, thank God I'm not Elizabeth. And uh, y'all struggle just doing the grandkids. Y'all certainly don't want to be your own kid. Come on, somebody. Y'all like to be able to, oh, we love them. You go back to your mama. You ain't staying here tonight. I'm going to bed. I know that I'm good. That's good preaching even if I am the preacher today. And, uh, and so the angel tells Mary. Mary goes to see Elizabeth. She's like, hey, cuz. Here's where I want to pick up the story. I want to talk about a couple different people in this story. The first person I want to talk about for a minute is Mary. Because in Mary's perspective, this was not the plan. This was unplanned. I don't, this is an unplanned pregnancy. Anybody ever heard that term before? I've seen these shows. I don't really watch them a lot because I think they're dumb. But if you watch them, forgive me for calling it dumb. But I watch these shows. I didn't know I was pregnant. I don't even know how that's possible. Like, I know what the TV says on TLC. Or whatever it is, the loser channel, or whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called. But but you know, whatever it's called. Uh, but but they say, Oh, I'm I didn't know I was pregnant. I'm thinking, okay, there's only one way you get pregnant, y'all. I don't have time to teach y'all science because God didn't call me to be a scientist, but let's help you out here. You may not have known that the ego was prego, but you had to do something to get there, so you had to at least know there was a possibility this could happen, y'all. Come on, this ain't, there ain't no other Marys walking around immaculately concept, uh, having conception from the incarnate God up there. That, that's not happening anymore, y'all. So you had to know there's always the possibility. I didn't know. Well, if you didn't do anything, you would know, you know. But but Mary's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't plan this. This was not on my. I I, I got a marriage. I got a plan. I'm getting married. I got. I'm buying a house. I got a career to get started. Blah blah blah. I, I don't. I did not sign up for this job. This is not what I asked. I'm a young, old, an older teenager, young adult. I didn't want to be pregnant yet. I wanted to enjoy life a little bit longer. I'm not ready to be up till three o'clock in the morning coddling babies who got whooping cough. I don't have time for that. I don't. I don't want to change diapers. Back then, they didn't even have pamper throwaways. You had to wash them suckers. They weren't they weren't the disposable kind. You had to wash them. And you didn't even have a washing machine, y'all. They were hand-washed. Ooh, you know you were loving children back then to have children like that. Thank God he let me be in the years of huggies. If y'all washed your own, God bless you. She said, I'm going to be married to my sweetheart. She's a female, so immediately there's probably a little bit of a joy of the excitement because, you know, all ladies love babies. They don't, most babies, most ladies love babies that don't belong to them because you can give them back. I've noticed that being a preacher. Everybody loves other people's babies more because they're like, oh, time to go home. <laughs> they give them back. Oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, they'll hold them all day in church. Then it's like time to go home. They're like, oh, your mom, don't you want your mama? I'm like, I thought you loved that baby. I did, but it's time for her to go home now. She goes to Elizabeth's house to tell her the news. Because some scholars believe Elizabeth was a, uh, a mother-type figure to Mary because they were cousins, but, but she was older, she was wiser, she had been to the family reunions. She goes to Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth is six months pregnant. And, and the Bible tells us, I talked about it last week, when Mary arrives, the baby inside of Elizabeth jumps and is filled with the Holy Spirit, the, the, the prophet John the Baptist, uh, is filled with the Holy Spirit from the, from the womb. And she tells this story to 
Elizabeth. And I began to think about something. The Bible said Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months. Joseph didn't know she's gone. Y'all, I'm telling you all right now, Brianna goes missing for three months. I'm going to notice, y'all. I'm slow, but I ain't dumb. Like, what you going to tell? Hey, honey, I'm going to go on a trip. And then, what, three months, I don't hear from you? What the world? We ain't engaged very much longer after that. But at that point, I think you've been eaten by a wolf or something. I don't know. You've gone three months and don't talk to me. She's gone for three months. She's gone. Then I started thinking. Y'all know how long the first trimester lasts in a pregnancy? Boy, look at God. I already know what he's doing. Y'all, I didn't know this because I've never been pregnant before. I had to look this stuff up. I don't want y'all to think I'm just knowledgeable about this stuff. I asked questions. I asked doctors who knew more. Now, you could begin to think I'm wrong, but this is what I think happened. In the first trimester, a baby rapidly starts to develop. The fetus develops a brain, spinal cord, organs. The baby's heart will begin to beat during the first trimester. Arms and legs begin to bud within the first few weeks. By the end of eight weeks, fingers and toes start to form, and it will weigh about one ounce and be about three inches long. During this period, your baby's body structure and organ system develops most miscarriages <laughs> and birth defects occur during this period. What if she wasn't going to tell Joseph yet because she wanted to make sure it was going to happen? Because if I can just hide for three months, if something happens, Joseph never has to know what's going on. Think about that for a minute. Because if I miscarriage it, and can I tell you, there's a lot of people walking around in churches all across this thing, this nation, where God has spiritually impregnated them with visions and desires. And God has spiritually impregnated them with a plan for their lives. And they're walking around church praying for a miscarriage rather than birthing what God has already told them they should have. There's a lot of people not walking in their calling, not walking in their, their, their uh, the will of God. They're more afraid of birthing what they, they're like, oh, that can't be. That wasn't the plan. God, I wasn't called to be a Sunday school teacher. God, I wasn't called to be a preacher. God, I wasn't called to be a Sunday, uh, a singer. God, I wasn't called to be a musician. They'd rather sit on the pew and try to miscarriage the pregnancy God's put in them rather than divinely bringing forth life what God has put. But the Bible said, Jesus said, I have come to give you life and that you would have it more abundantly. God is not interested in us aborting His spiritual plans for our life. He is interested in us birthing the plans He has for our lives. She's there. She experiences symptoms like tiredness, upset stomach, throwing up, mood swings, tenderness of heart, of chest, heartburn, weight gain, headaches, cravings, uh, uh, revulsions of certain food, constipation. Her body's going through the change during this time some of y'all remember those days she probably wanted to make sure it was going to happen maybe she was waiting for God to work things out on her behalf because you know what she had thought of when she got on the journey how am I going to tell Joseph I mean it's natural you say Pastor that's not in scripture well it, it don't take a rocket scientist to figure out she knows she's got to tell the man I mean what's he going to do get married and act like she ain't got a bump I mean she's going. he's going to notice she didn't get fat that quick she didn't eat that many donuts at Sunday school. Come on, y'all. He gonna notice. This ain't a food baby. This is a baby baby, y'all. How am I going to tell this man? I'm going to crush him, Brother Jamie. When I tell Joseph, I'm going to crush the love of my life's heart like a wilted flower. I'm going to crush him. 
Because he's going to, who's going to believe this is God's baby? The first thing Joseph's going to think is you're with another man. You cheated on me, Mary. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you. That's what I would think if I was in Joseph's shoes. Yeah, right. God, come on, Mary. Are you kidding me? That's never happened in history before. We don't even have an example of that. You're crazy. Just don't lie to me, Mary. Tell me who the baby's dad is. Just tell me. You're lying to me. That'd be any man's reaction. I don't know how I'm going to tell him. Proverbs 19 and 21 says, Many plans are in a man's heart, but it's the counsel of the Lord that will always stand. Proverbs 16 and 9, The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord will direct the steps. You can GPS navigate it, but the Bible says the steps of a good man or woman are in order of the Lord, so you can have all the plans you want to, but the best thing to do is just go ahead and let God just GPS navigate you right on, because the steps of a good man or woman are in order of the Lord. Let him be the in charge, and you just follow. The Scottish poet Robert Burns said this, The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. The meaning of that statement was no matter how a project is planned, accidents and misfortunes can still happen unexpectedly. Do you realize throughout Scripture, there's a lot of people in Scripture that had a plan, but God changed the plan. Do you know that even God changed the plan one time on his own? He was ready to destroy the entire earth, but one man got on his face before God and said, God, what will the Egyptians think if you come and kill us all in the desert? And the Bible said that the Lord turned his anger after Moses prayed that prayer. The Lord turned his anger from destroying them and eradicating them in the desert. He sent a plague, but he didn't destroy them all because of the prayer Moses offered before him. Even God decided to do something different. Jeremiah 29, 11, I quote it so often. We know God always has a plan. But can I tell you, even when we don't understand the plan, and even when we can't fully grasp the plan, and even if you say, Pastor, I don't even see a plan in place, can I tell you, God always still has a plan. Now, right now, we're living in a place where they might tell you, we'll never get COVID under control, or we'll never be able to fully go back to church like it should be, or we'll never be able to have mass gatherings, or you shouldn't be with your family for Christmas, or you shouldn't travel, or you shouldn't do this. They can tell you whatever they want to. It doesn't matter what the plan of man says. I don't care who's in office. I don't care who's in charge. The Bible gives me clear direction that there's going to come a day that the plans of man ain't going to matter anymore, because when Gabriel blows that trumpet... Plans, man's plans doesn't matter because the plan of God will prevail. We're leaving this place. We're out of here. We're going to heaven. They can have my car. They can have my suit. They can have my house. I won't need it anymore because God's taking me home with him. God always has a plan. But there's another person in this story quickly I want to talk about. Joseph. Mary didn't plan it. Joseph wasn't expecting it. Mary didn't plan to have a baby, and Joseph didn't expect to be a stepfather off the bat. Come on, somebody. You know this is the truth, even if you don't want to admit it. Joseph didn't have this in his plans. He's been thinking about marrying the love of his life. He wants his own fairy tale love story. He's got a good job in the family business as a carpenter. He may not be wealthy, but he's a hard blue-collar worker. Soon he finds out, though, Mary is pregnant, and he knows beyond a shadow of a doubt he ain't the baby's daddy. He didn't even have to call Mari to ask that question. He didn't even have to ask, you are not the father. He didn't even have to pay for that. He already knew. 
He's stunned. He's crushed. He's hurt. I wonder, I don't want you to raise your hand because I don't want to put you on the spot, but I wonder how many of us in times of our lives, there have been times of unexpected turns in our lives where we have been crushed, we have been hurt, we have felt the pain of suffering. Can I tell you that even sometimes things that we expect to happen, it still doesn't feel right when it happens. It still seems like it's unexpected when it happens. Listen, we, we knew for, and, and uh, uh, I hope to take this liberty and, and, and make this point and be forgiven for this statement, but we, we've all known for a long time Sister Hope was sick. We knew that. We, we, there was no way around. We knew that. We've been there for years going to nursing homes. Y'all know that. We've been doing this for a year and a half, almost two years at that time. We knew it, but it didn't still take away the moment when it happened and it still hurt. We expected it was someone's got, but we weren't, we never could expect, we didn't know the exact date and it still hurt the day it happened. Nobody expected to go on Thanksgiving and that be how we spent Thanksgiving together. It was still unexpected, even in expectancy. Can I tell you, though, that even when stuff in life catches us off guard, it never caught God off guard. God knew exactly the time. The Bible said he holds the time of our lives in the palm of his hand. He knows the number of hairs on our head. Can I tell you this morning that you can, or this right, right, as we get ready to be around lunchtime, can I tell you this morning that this is the plan of God's for your life, that when you feel like you can't make it another step, when you feel like there's no hope in sight, when you feel like all hell's coming against you, when you say, Pastor, I don't understand why I'm going through this. I didn't see this coming. I didn't expect this job offer. I didn't expect this job to termination paper. I didn't expect to find out this information. I didn't know that this was going to happen to me. You don't have to sit at home and be saying and be worried or fretting because the Bible said, why worry and take fret of the thought of tomorrow? For if the Lord takes thought of the birds of the air to feed them and he clothes the grass with dew in the morning, how much more so does your heavenly Father take thought of you? Nothing caught God off guard. You may have come here this morning or be watching online and say, I'm going through something I never thought I'd walk through. Never experienced, but I'm telling you, God never has one time in heaven ever saw, said, I didn't see that coming. But God's always been in control, and he's still in control. He's got COVID under control. He's got the church under control. He's got our lives under control. God is still in control. And when God does something, he doesn't do it partially. He does it all the way. It's a hard pill to swallow that she's pregnant. It's even a harder pill to swallow that it ain't a man's baby. It's divinely orchestrated. That's even harder because it's never been done. You can't even prove to another time in history that's happened. That's a hard pill to swallow. Being a righteous man, though, the Bible said he didn't want to publicly shame her because she could be killed for that. He loved her enough to do that. So he was just going to divorce her quietly and just break it off and just say things aren't working out. But some, there's something to be understood because the Bible said Joseph was a righteous man because he was a devout man, a righteous man. See, what righteousness will do, it will not, this is some things that I learned about righteousness. Righteousness not only enables you to do unthinkable tasks, but it will give you peace in the midst of chaos. And it will empower you when you don't think you can get up the next day. Righteousness will allow you to see past appearances and see people's hearts. Not their appearance but their hearts. Samuel, when going to anoint David, he thought he had found David's older brother. He thought, that's a man. He's strong as an ox. He's well-formed. He looks good. And the Bible said that the Lord said to Samuel, but I rejected him. And Samuel said, but why, God? Look at how amazing he is. And this was the reply God gave. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God doesn't care if you wear a three-piece suit or if you're wearing blue jeans and a T-shirt. As long as you love him, it doesn't matter. You're going to the same place I'm headed. 
I've seen so many people dressed up in suits on their way to hell, and I've seen plenty of people wearing blue jeans and a T-shirt that I'd rather pray for me any day than a lawyer in a suit. Come on. So he's going to break off the engagement. He knew that if the townspeople found out, she'd be killed. She couldn't get a job. Maybe he thought, well, if I put her away quietly, I can still just send her some money from time to time to help her. But I can't live with her because you got to understand from Joseph's perspective, if I take her in, you, you don't understand what kind of reputation I'm going to get in town. You don't understand how critical that's going to be in my heart. You don't understand how if I take her in, what is my mama going to say? Because the culture of the day was those kind of women should have been stoned. We're not even married, so what, I'm going to tell my mama that I got a girl pregnant out of wedlock? Well, that ain't going to go well. Well, if I tell my mama I'm not the baby's daddy, somebody else is, or she ain't going to really be looking good on Mary because she's going to think she's a tramp. Hello. They ain't going to have a good daughter-in-law, mother-in-law relationship right now. And if I also take her, you know what else is going to happen? The people in town is going to start thinking something about me too. I got a good name in this community. I don't need to get that messed up. He had to think about his reputation. He didn't think he could live with the stigma of that. He wasn't sure he could even raise someone else's child who was birthed out of wedlock that didn't belong to him. I mean, you got to remember, off the bat, he's a stepdad. Boom, like that. But Joseph taught us a lesson that I want to tell you today. Don't make permanent decisions on temporary. Don't make permanent decisions on temporary circumstances. Because it might seem like a bad situation at first, but what? The devil sometimes will appear for evil. God will turn it around for something good. What if Joseph would have walked away? He never would have been a part of this story. He never went down in human history as the man that taught Jesus how to first build a car out of wood. First use hammer and nails. I remember Jesus was a kid, so at some point he played outside. No doubt he had to learn how to do certain things. I mean, who taught him? Probably his stepfather. So they... There would have never been a time where we hear of Jesus being a kid and enjoying the things of life from 0 to 12 or whatever. Joseph would have never been a part of the story. You see, God knows what he's doing because he'll make sure all the players are on the same page when he does something. See, sometimes it's God who throws the curveballs. We always like to blame the devil. Well, the devil threw me something I didn't expect. Sometimes it's God who throws the curveball. It's hard to believe it, but sometimes it's also God who throws the monkey wrench in our plans to further point out that we are frail humans and we need a Savior. And we can't do it without Him. So sometimes God does it just to prove you're not who you think. You're not as big and bad as you think you are. You need me anyway. Sometimes God does it so that His glory can be, can be revealed. So God sends the angel to Joseph to confirm. Can I tell you another thing about righteousness? Righteous people. They'll hear God speak, but they'll not only hear God speak, but they'll listen to the voice of God and they'll follow the instructions given by God himself. Righteous people will listen to God, follow God, and carry out the plan of God. Joseph was going to have to leave behind family, friends, jobs, marry Mary, take her to Bethlehem and act like he was okay with this. Obviously, we know while on the trip, Mary gives birth in Bethlehem to a baby boy. But before they can go back home to Nazareth, you can't take this baby. you got to understand, Nazareth from Bethlehem is 5,600 miles away. Not in a Mustang. Y'all, we're talking camels and walking. 
it was at least a four to seven day journey depending on how far you traveled. At least. Trying to get there by the time you did caravans and you ride the horses if you didn't walk. It was, they say it's a seven day journey. I mean, it was a long journey. How are you going to do that with a pregnant woman? And now that she's given birth to a baby, how are you going to take a less than a month old baby, take him cross country, and you don't even have the same amenities you have in today's society? Y'all, Some of y'all that had babies, y'all know how hard it was just to go to Walmart with a baby, much less go cross country. Some of y'all wouldn't go to Walmart with a baby. Y'all brought in somebody out just so you could go buy groceries without that baby. So Joseph had to change his plan again. The Bible tells us Joseph had to go to plan B. He got a house in Bethlehem. Because the Bible said the, angel, the, the Magi showed up in Bethlehem. Well, Jesus, by that point, would have been about two years old. So for two years, Joseph, had, whether we rented it or bought it, he never got to go back to Nazareth yet. He's living in Bethlehem now. He had to pack up and live there now. Wasn't his plan. But finally, as Miss Carol makes her way, here's the last thing I want to tell you. But there's one other group. Mary was un. Mary wasn't planning a baby. She was unplanned in this, unplanned pregnancy. Joseph was unexpected, like, whoa, this ain't happening. But can I tell you, there was a third group of the people. There was the world. And they were unprepared for his arrival. They didn't expect him to come. I wonder if hypothetically today, if Jesus were to blow the trumpet right now, how many people would have got up in churches, not in the world? No, no, I didn't say how many people in the world would have left. How many people in our churches would have left when, negate, when that would have just happened? Because I would suffice to say, and please do not judge me as I get ready to close. Please do not judge me in saying this, but I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a lot of people surprised. going to be sitting on church pews when Gabriel blows a trumpet and they're still stuck here and they didn't get to go. Because the world was unprepared. They're going about life as usual. There's no room in the inn. They're all doing their own thing. The innkeeper said, I got a barn in the back, so they used that. But you notice nobody ever goes out there and asks him, do you need another blanket? Do you need another pillow? you want us to bring you some food? She gives birth to a baby in the night. Nobody comes out there and offers, their, offers the newborn baby and mama their room inside. No, they leave her outside. Nobody checks on this baby because the world didn't care because they weren't prepared for this. It didn't matter to them. Can I say we're living in a day and hour that not only is the world today still unprepared and don't act like Jesus is coming back, but there are folks in the church acting like Jesus ain't planning on coming back anytime soon. And some folks in the church are going to be unprepared and shocked when he comes back and go, wait, I didn't know he was ready. And it's like the ten virgins. Five of them were ready. The other five said, oh, the bridegroom's coming. They ran into town to get some oil. By the time they got back, they said they're gone. They said, what do you mean they're gone? They said they were ready to go. The bridegroom came and he left. That's how it's going to be. Some people in church are going to be sitting here when we're gone. But it's too late then. Gone. So here's my charge to you today. Listen to what this preacher has to say. If you've heard nothing else, listen to this. T'was the night before Jesus and all through the house. Not a person was praying. No one in the house. Their Bibles were laying all closed on a shelf. Everyone was so into their own self. The children were dressing to get into bed not once ever kneeling, praying, or bowing their head. Mom on the sofa with a baby in her lap, 
was watching TV while I took a nap. When outside the house there, ra- there arose such a clatter, I rose to my feet to see what was the matter. To the window I flew in a hur- to the window I flew in a hurried flash, opened the shutter, threw up the sash. When to my surprise what should appear, it was the angels proclaiming Jesus had come. He was here. With a light like the sun, sending forth a bright ray, I knew a moment this must be the rapture day. The light of his face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning, just like he said. Though I possessed worldly wisdom and was of all men wealthy, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life he held in his hand was written the name of every saved man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name. Then he looked at me and said, It is not here. And I hung my head in shame. The people whose names had been written with love, he gathered to himself and they left for the Father above. With those who were ready, he arose without sound while the rest of us were standing all on the ground. I fell to my knees, but I was too late. I had waited too long, thus sealing my fate. I stood and I cried as they rose out of sight, if only I had been ready when Jesus called me tonight. See, the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus, church, really is drawing near. We only have one life, and when the last call, we'll find out for sure the Bible, it was true after all. There's going to be some people that are going to one day say, God, this was not my plan. God, I don't want to go to hell. He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. God, I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to lose out on heaven. He's going to say, I gave you your chance, and you blew it. Some of us in our lives, we have walked through places where we know this was not the plan that God gave us. Nothing catches God, catches God by surprise or off guard. But I'm telling you, if you're not ready when he calls, you'll be caught off guard when he comes back. Mary didn't. Ex- Mary had an unplanned pregnancy. All of my plans don't always go the way I plan them. Joseph wasn't expecting the fa- to find out what he found out from Mary that day. But even in that, God was preparing him for the task assigned. But more importantly, there was a third part that most people don't ever preach about in the Christmas story. There was a world that was still like everybody else waiting for a promised Messiah to get them out of Roman captivity. But when the Messiah came, nobody recognized he walked into the room. My heart breaks today because I wonder how many people, the the presence of God was made manifested outside of that innkeeper's door and no one recognized the presence of God was right there. How many people are so close, they come to church, they walk into church, they come through the double doors, they come through the glass doors, they sit on padded pews or they sit in theater style chairs, the music starts playing, the lights start strobing, the pastor starts preaching, this starts happening, that starts happening, and I wonder how many people think, well, woo, did we have a time in the Lord at church today? And they don't even recognize God's presence was not there. They weren't prepared for His arrival. He wasn't there. I pray that we never become a place that we don't recognize the presence of God is crouching at the door. I pray that if we ever 
God's presence never crouches at the door. Somebody will open the door and say, even so, Jesus, come inside. Come quickly. Come on in. We welcome you in this place. I hope we never put Jesus on the outside of the door and say, there's a barn out back. Just don't come inside with us. But you know, there are some people spiritually, they're not opening the doors of their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ. They're asking Jesus to take a back seat instead of letting him be in the throne of their heart. This was not the plan. But I'm telling you, as we pray, God's coming back, and you better be ready. The greatest thing you can ever do at Christmas time is to make sure you go to heaven. That's the best decision you ever made. That's the best gift. The best gift you ever will get It's not the ones under the tree. It'll be the one that God sent when he sent his only begotten son, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lied in a manger, but he was, the Bible says, he sent his only son. He became man. He dwelt among us. We have seen the glory of the, glory of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, that while we still yet were in sin, God sent his son to die for us. So we could have life, have it more abundantly. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I simply want to just ask this question before we pray and are dismissed. You say, Pastor, the words you've spoken in this message today, I don't need to know all the details, but if you say, Pastor, the message you spoke today spoke to my heart, and I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me, my family. I don't need to know what you need prayed for, but you just say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me today. I want you to specifically pray for me in this prayer. I want you to slip your hand wherever you are. I don't need to know the need. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for confirming. Yes, yes. Well, I'm going to ask you all to stand right where you are. And let's pray this together. Father. There are men and women that have raised their hands today and saying they needed a touch from you. God, today I am asking that what they ask from you, that you grant this Christmas season. Let us not be caught off guard by the unexpected plans, the unplanned, unplanned things that happen to our lives. But more importantly, God, let us never be unprepared when your arrival comes. Whether they raise their hand for themselves, a loved one, a situation in their lives, there's still a God who's in control. The same baby that was born thousands of years ago is the same one that sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession on my behalf today. So today I pray for those special requests. Thank you for the presence of God we have felt in this house today. And as we go to and for our destination, I continue to ask you to bless us on our journey homeward. God, bring us back safely tonight at 6 p.m. for our Sunday evening worship service Wednesday night at 7pm for our Bible study and next Sunday morning for our services again guard us throughout the rest of this week in Christ's holy and precious name we pray Amen before we pray our benedictory prayer those joining online God bless you thank you for being here today as well don't forget Sunday services tonight at 6pm also Bible study Wednesday at 7pm Let's say our church benediction and proclamation. Immediately following that, I'm going to have Brother Archberger to pray our benedictory prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift his countenance upon you, give you the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard your hearts till he comes again. I love you. Amen. Brother Archberger.